This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the new episode of the Cabal cast. Got a couple of topics to touch on today, one of which I think is very important to cover because it's something that is pretty essential to the process mm-hmm. of MTG finance and something we all have different views on. Yep. Uh, and that is actually ways to save money and how to get set up, as well as packaging. Uh, after that, we're going to touch on the BNR announcement very briefly yep. and what that could mean financially. And importantly, before we start, I wanted to say that we are actually proud to announce that we are going to be sponsoring a middle school event in St. Louis on May 18th at a place called Pieces. It's a board game bar in St. Louis and Soulard where Mardi Gras is. Uh, We will have the full details up on Friday. We'll tweet them out. We'll throw them on Facebook, everywhere. We'll have pre-registrations open, and it is a charity event for NAMI which is the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill, cause close to my heart. Uh, so really, really proud to do that. And without further ado, let's get started. Yeah, everybody. So, so uh, a, lot a lot of people, people when they start their foray into empty finance, think, think mainly about where they're, they're going to get their stock, stock where they're they going, going to be getting their cards, cards you know, know the, what's, what's going, going to make them money. money. And, and once, once they, they figure that out and come up with the price ranges that they're willing to pay on different things, based Based on certain sources, sources, it just kind of goes goes out the window. window. They know they they need to ship their product, and they'll pick up their penny sleeves and their toppers from their LGS for storage. Those same penny sleeves toppers might be used. They'll buy their their cardboard boxes at the LGS, team bags if the person is so inclined, stamps from the post office, envelopes from either the post office or... Amazon, Amazon, and, and kind of call it a day there. there. But in reality, there's a lot of money to be saved at each one of those steps. steps. And that, that is something that people generally don't figure in or even think about. about. More people ask about uh, the ROI or the human capital spent on sorting and shipping their cards as opposed to where can I save money after that. And so they're just happy to spew value. So one of the things that I think is important is a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to set up an account with a distributor. And that's how you're going to save money on supplies. Yep. So for Southern Hobby, it's one of the easiest ones to sign up for. You just need an EIN, mm-hmm. which you can sign up for on the IRS's website. We'll have a link up for that. And you need a state reseller license, which it's typically around $75 in every state. So what you do is you go onto the IRS website, you sign up for an EIN, and basically what that is is it's an employee identifier number or identification number. And that is to the IRS your business's number. Now that doesn't mean you're going to file taxes or anything on your business, it just means you own a business. Mm -hmm. It can sit there and do nothing. So after that, you go to your state, you fill out your reseller license, which you need the EIN for, And then you can go get an account at Southern Hobby. Now, the nice thing about Southern is they have warehouses all over the place. They're cheap to ship. Mm -hmm. And one of the important things is they actually make boxes, like one rows, 400 counts, five rows, all that stuff, 
they make them themselves. So they don't order them from anyone else. They make them themselves, which actually does contribute a little bit to savings. Yep. Um, I, yeah. I was going to say, I think we talked about maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20 cents per, per box, depending on where you're buying. If you're going to your LGS, you're going to save more. If you're buying from BCW Direct, uh, because they generally offer decent savings without a uh, distributor account, you'll probably yeah. save in the neighborhood of uh, that 15 cents. Yeah, 10 to 15 cents, which is still great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other thing is packaging. So when you package rep, how do you do it? Mm -hmm. So uh, starting from the inside, the uh, card goes into a, a regular sleeve that I've just accrued from playing for as long as I have. If yeah. it's a foil or a card worth more than 20, meaning I'm going to need tracking anyway, it'll go on a perfect fit first. Then that goes in a top loader taped with uh, scotch tape because packaging tape on a top loader, while acceptable, generally means that it will uh, pinch together very easily and you will need a blade to get in there. Yep. So it, you could damage the card if the sleeve, sleeve slips up towards the top. Then uh, that gets wrapped either in the TCG invoice or some information from eBay based on the sale into an mm -hmm. envelope. Uh, name, address, printout, and then that I packaging tape because that's uh, an easy way for the recipient to know if the envelope's been tampered with. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's pretty similar. So we're going to use Mr. Territorial Allosaurus here as an example. Mm -hmm. So I've got him inside of a penny sleeve. I put him upside down in a top loader. And the reason you do that is so that the card doesn't slip out and touch the tape. You've got the sleeve touching the tape. Yep. If you tape it. From there, I actually put mine in a team bag. Tear it. Self-seal the team bag. And this either goes in a PWE or bubble mailer. Whichever. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. It's something that I think not a lot of people get because I can't tell you how many times I've gotten something off of eBay or TCG and it's this, like cardboard monstrosity that has like five pieces of tape on it that's exactly the size of the card oh yeah and i'm like oh i gotta get a knife in here because i can't just tear it apart because i can bend plastic while this tape is on here and it's just awful and i think you you had like an awful package the oh other yeah day, right? I, I i just splashed that up it was uh three i, I I'll, I'll spoil it now it's three player world wars wrath of gods for middle school uh, and hard sleeves taped, oh. wrapped in like newspaper, and then to fill the gap in the bubble mailer, they sent it in, they started wadding up paper to put on top and then tape that down and uh, put it in the bubble mailer. Don't, don't do that. I, I got a guy's 401k statement wrapped around a card once. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy. So... You know, the the thing about that is most of the time, if you use stuff like that, you just go to your LGS and get it. So if you get penny sleeves, uh, around here they're a dollar a piece. I assume they're a dollar everywhere. Yeah. That's why they're penny, penny sleeves. sleeves. So you get 100 in a pack for a dollar. Now, Southern, a single pack is 65 cents, which is, you know, 35 free sleeves. Mm -hmm. But if you get a case of 100... It's forty cents a piece, so forty dollars for ten thousand sleeves, 
and you get 60 free sleeves per package at that point. Basically. Uh, which, you know, doesn't seem like a whole lot, but you're saving, you know, about a half a cent, over over half a cent, actually, per mm-hmm. at that point. And, you know, say you ship out five to ten orders a week when you first start out. It's not that big a deal. It's five cents here and there. But once you get to, like, a hundred and you save 20 cents a week on that, that starts to add up. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next thing is top loaders. This is, I think, universally the most used shipping supply. I don't think I've ever gotten an order of a card that wasn't inside of a top loader. So a package of 25 is usually 2 to $3 at an LGS. The wholesale cost on those is $1.70 per. Now, if you get a case of 40 it drops to $1.20 a piece, which pretty big savings again. Yep. Because at that point, you're paying, you know, $0.05 cents a piece. Great. So now each order, if we assume max number, you add $0.05 cents compared to what could be $0.15 cents to the cost of that order. Now, the hidden tech that is great is Ultra Pro actually makes a package that is 100 penny sleeves and 100 top loaders. And for this package of 100 of each, it's $2.10. It is less than 25 top loaders at your LGS. Yeah, it is ridiculous savings. Like, that is insane how much money that saves you. And that's just if you get one. Once you get a case of 40, which is 40,000 top loaders, 40,000 penny sleeves, it's a dollar forty-five a piece, which is even crazier because that is less than wholesale on a twenty-five pack of top loaders, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, you know. And again, you think in five, ten orders a week, it's not that bad, but when you get to a hundred orders a week, fifty-two weeks a year, you're talking like fifty to a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars in savings. Oh yeah, which. Sure, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're buying at a 50% margin, that's an extra dual land that you can get all of a sudden mm-hmm. that just got freed up out of your budget. Uh, and then the last thing, which I think not everyone uses, is team bags. So for a pack of 100 of those, it's $1.57 from Southern. Uh, it's usually about 3 to $4 at most LGSs. Now, if you get a case of 100 team bags, it drops it down to $1.32 per package, which again... Doesn't seem like a whole lot, but savings adds up over time. Yep. Uh, now, the next thing that I think a lot of people don't really factor in is envelopes. Uh, every order needs one, whether mm-hmm. it be bubble mailer, plain white, whatever the case is, it adds up. And I think a lot of people just go to Target or Office Depot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I'll just buy a pack of, you know, 100 envelopes for like six bucks or whatever the case may be. Personally, if I'm shipping plain white envelope, I like using the security envelopes where you can't see through it. Yeah. Because I personally am still convinced that the post office is staffed by nothing but thieves that want to take everything <laughs> I send out. <laughs> Anyways, a uh, good place to go for these is a website called Uline. You can sign up for an account for free. You don't need a business license or anything. And bubble mailers, for example, you can get a case of 500 4x8 bubble mailers. 
for $81. Think about Target. When you go there, you get a pack of three of them for six. Why would you do that when you have the opportunity to get out there and get a case of 500? Which, again, sounds like a ton, but it actually happens pretty quick, especially if you're on Facebook or Cardsphere or someplace like that where you're sending more valuable cards and you want to make sure they're protected. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is bubble mailers don't go through the same machines that uh, PWE plain white envelopes do. Mm-hmm. And that gives them a little more security in that regard. Even when you send out envelopes, is non-machinable, which is usually what I do. Whenever I need a tracking number, it always goes through as non-machinable. It still does wind up going through several machines but they're not as aggressive as yeah. uh what are they called it's like the green line and the black line or something like that yeah i think that's what it is i i just remember uh there was an ama on reddit that was someone from the postal service that was like don't ever use non-machinable yeah do not ever go non-machinable it's going through a machine yeah so i was like oh, great yeah it, it's just I still have the same problem, or I still would run into the same problem. It's just I'm running through fewer machines or less aggressive. Um, yeah. So. And at that point, you know, it does it really make a difference? No. Uh, for for eighty one dollars, a case of five hundred, I'm basically paying as much for that as I would for envelopes from even somewhere like Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. That a lot of people like this information is all out there, and I think a lot of it is just people are afraid to ask, like calling a distributor and just being like, "Hey, how do I set up an account with you guys for stuff?" I think some people are just afraid to ask that, and yeah. you know, there's actually some stuff you can get there that's not just supplies that you don't need a special license for. You can't get sealed magic without going through Watsi, but you can get like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Why Schwartz, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, you can get stuff like that wholesale. Yeah, you just need an address and an EIN. Yeah, and, and you don't need an account. Board games are a huge one. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, board game bars, like Pieces, popping up all over, they've got a built-in 50 to 100% margin on MSRP. So settlers cost like 30 bucks mm-hmm. at Target. It's $15 wholesale. It makes it so much easier to just get Christmas presents. Yeah. And uh, it's never too daunting either. I think that's part of it too. There's like this weird mystique that I'm not a store, so I shouldn't have access to these types of things. It might not even be uh, people are afraid. It's just an assumption. And like, oh, I'm not a business or I'm not big enough. Like, I can't access yeah. this. Huh? Do it up. Do it up. Um, one of the hidden pieces of tech I wanted to mention, uh, but I forgot what we were talking about, team bags, is that. If you're on TCG or Facebook and you're sending out high volume per order, meaning the card size is pretty large, you don't need to look into the multiple sizes of top loaders that Ultra Pro makes. They make several types, several sizes of them. You yeah. can uh, put an empty top loader in the team bag, then put all your singles in front or behind it, seal the team bag, tape up the team bag, and that'll keep everything just as secure that way. Or put them in individual penny sleeves or group them in penny sleeves if you want them to put that all in the team bag. But that team bag allows you to send out and protect higher volume orders than just uh, one or two cards each. Yeah. It's 
it's definitely helpful because like you know one of the things i do because i full disclosure i don't really get the bigger top loaders i mm-hmm. stick with the one size i probably should get the bigger because sometimes i send more cards so what i do and we'll get our buddy territorial allosaurus and this is not ideal so i have the top loader here mm-hmm. i just slip it right here upside down throw it in the team bag and seal it up so the problem with doing that and i will admit again this is wrong this card can move around now in here mm-hmm. you can hear it yeah yeah you can hear it moving it's not great so getting those larger top loaders is really good for that because you're able to you can even fit i think it's three cards inside a real sleeve inside yeah. of those double sleeved so you can put three intuitions in one top loader and that's it and uh the 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 team bag uh solution isn't some isn't just something that like uh smaller vendors do uh an order i received this week from channel fireball was set up like that i received orders from troll and toad and card king at some point like that the only vendor i know that does not do that is star city and that's because they like to use the clamshells the plastic interlocking sports card cases i don't have any kicking around oh nice oh wait yeah here we go like this one of these guys yeah exactly it's the, the poker deck yeah yeah it's it's the one with the sweet ace yeah or joker yeah like Star City uses those, and that's perfectly fine because their envelopes accommodate that. Uh, yep. That's just why you wind up paying more for some orders that are more than like 10 or 15 cards. That's fine. That's their method. There's nothing wrong with either or. Nobody's more right in that situation. Yeah. But you just want to look at the most cost-saving techniques possible. Um, one of the interesting things uh, at the tail end of this that we haven't talked about because there's not a real good way to save on this is stamps. Yeah. Uh, for uh, if, you're if you're just sending out PWEs, forever stamps are the way to go. You, they're the same price at your local USPS office as they would be on eBay, I believe. Uh, no. Are they cheaper on eBay? They they are literally some cheaper on eBay. Okay. So here is blocks right now on eBay for forty six ninety nine. One hundred first class forever stamps. So what that might be it uh, would. Could be an individual retailer who has old forever stamps because yeah. they are good for forever. So if they bought them 10, 20 years ago, those stamps were probably in the teens. Now they're yeah. 46, 48 cents each. Yeah. Okay. You know, and there's there's always someone that's like, it's, I think, 55 for a roll of 100 now. Yeah. There's always someone that has 200 for like $105. It's like, yeah, it's only a $5 savings, but... If you're not, if you don't need them right now, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Oh, here's here's someone with two hundred for ninety. Great. Do it. Yeah. yeah done. done. So, so yeah. Uh, that that's, that's like the la- in regards to shipping. That's pretty much the last thing. Uh, you know, you can squeak out a little savings there. Uh, tape is tape. I suggest yeah. it on the inside and the outside. Not everybody does. In both places, yeah. if you use a team bag. You don't really need the additional tape on the inside. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, it's a good thing on. Uh, the outside. I've sent and received enough from overseas to know when an envelope has been tampered with before I even pick it up. So I think I actually have my last uh, European shipment that was empty. They gave me the envelope and I just knew immediately there was nothing inside, so I just whipped right back around to my USPS marker. I'm like, 
No, no sir. <laughs> my case has been open for 10 months. Yeah. And they have not found my beta landmore elves. Whoops. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I think it's just staffed with thieves. Yep. Uh, my original sketch for Culling the Week has been lost since March 3rd. Oh, it's, it's still, still in transit, transit quote unquote. It is still in transit. Great. Um, but. We want to invite any questions about this that people have. Uh, this is a, a big topic. It's dense. There are going to be a lot of links that go up for for this in the uh, YouTube video because it's easy to put it there. The podcast, not so much, uh, generally. Yeah. Harder to get to, and they don't auto link. And you know, we're we have people all over the spectrum. We have people that have worked for. Businesses, we have people that have run businesses, and we're available to answer any questions that you have on this. Yeah, absolutely. So please tweet us, YouTube comments, whatever. Uh, Totally fine. Uh, Anything more to add before before we move on? Nope. All right. So let's hit the next one. uh, Yep. Uh, Last thing before picks is the BNR. So. Uh, every, it was a non-announcement this week, which is nice. The status quo is being kept. A lot of people see this in regards to Modern as a way to test, stress test the London Mulligan in regards to the carpool, not the actual uh, performance of it at the Pro Tour, per se. So I'm fine with this. What that means for Modern is that without a ban on Faithless Looting or Ancient Stirrings, Monsopal goes up. That means that... Uh, Arc like Phoenix can go up, whether it's the standard uh, increases or sorry increases overall is kind of tied to standard results. It's obviously permeated modern. It's huge in the format. The other faithless looting deck in Dredge doesn't have a lot that's really going to spike up right now unless there's some spicy tech between. Yeah. No, the Pro Tour and in standard. Nexus still gets to exist for another eight months. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it's interesting that they acknowledged in the announcement that Nexus was a thing that people were concerned about. And they said, yeah, we get it. You know, it's it matters. But it them saying basically, we understand people spend a lot of money to get the decks they want we don't want to take that away from them is a real weird way of acknowledging, but not acknowledging the secondary market. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which is, which, which happens, happens every couple of years when they have to ban something big and shiny. I think Jason mind sculptor might've been the last band. They might've mentioned that on because Emrakul didn't creep to a hundred. She hover at 50 when they yeah. banned Marvel. Right. Yeah. So, but, it, same it, old, same it'll old. be interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think, think the important part of the announcement was really that the, the lack of monitor announcement, sorry, lack of monitor banning going into this Pro Tour in London, which means that all the cards that aren't seeing a reprint in Modern Horizons that basically run this format are now just up, 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 and they're not going to come back down until they see a reprint. Yeah. This has nothing to do with Zen fetches or uh, things like that. It's just purely based on things like Moxopal, who is yep. best buds with a card that you can argue should be banned. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's important that 
they acknowledge that they need to let the format shake out. Because this time last year, everyone thought Death Shadow should be banned. Yes. I, the Death Shadow is oppressive. It's everywhere. It's awful. Okay. They let the meta figure itself out. And, you know, like you said, we have Modern Horizons in two months, two three months. months. Yeah. Potentially. That has the chance to have a huge impact on the metagame. And I think that's something that they need to allow to happen. Mm-hmm. Because the meta is going to figure itself out better than Watsi will. Yes. That's just how it is. Um, yep. and, you know, and that's fine. And uh, I think it's Matt Sprawling has an article up about the BNR as well, which is a very quick and good read. And he basically says the exact same thing. And he kind of closes out with, nobody knows what's going to happen after Modern Horizon Horizons besides Watsi, because they have that file. Yeah. So the format might shake itself out naturally because of Horizons and the cards that Watsi's bringing into the format. We won't mm-hmm. know until we actually learn more about Modern Horizons. But you can expect your standard gainers for each non-banning Modern to increase over it, like they would naturally. Yeah. Right. And, and with, with that, that as, as we head, head out, out our picks for the week, week the future, whatever you want, however, however you want to look at it. it. And I'll, I'll let you go, go first. first. Sure. So mine, and again, I'm never going to stop shilling, uh, is the Gold Border City of Traders. So the City Champs version of this, or championship deck, whatever. Yep. Gold Border is legal in middle school. I have full faith that middle school will have a presence at Eternal Weekend. It's that type of grassroots formats that Eternal Central supports that we've even touched on before is, you know, effectively the future of magic. Like, that's where it's going to be financially. Yes. Is is grassroots stuff. That's the only spot that's left. So they're legal in middle school. Now, there's a lot of gold border cards, but a lot of those are floated by EDH. Force of Will, Guy's Cradle, Grim Monolith, those already have an established, like, $20 to $50 price range mm-hmm. because they're the cheap versions. City of Traders is $200. It's reserved list. And there's multiple decks that want to play it. So if you can get these gold bordered cities for sub 10 bucks, I think they're an insanely good buy. Oh, yeah. Because... You know, if middle school takes off, they're a twenty-five to thirty-dollar card at minimum mm-hmm. because of the number of decks that can leverage this card. I mean, Kai Boots Wildfire deck that won Worlds Gross. one year—that's yeah, yeah. one hundred percent legal, and it ran four City of Traders. Yep. The deck was good enough to win a World Championship, so it's obviously pretty decent. Yeah. Plus, you get access to extra stuff. The more you dig into middle school and pre-modern, the more you realize that a lot of these decks that did exist in the extended time period that were running lands that had charge counters to produce two colors of mana, like the Mask Cycle and I think the Fallen Empire Cycle that moved into 6th edition. Like Hickory and Lots of that comes to mind. You can replace those with City of Traders and your deck functions better. It, it might, might only yeah. produce colors mana for that one turn, but generally speaking, that's all you need it for. If you yeah. have one of those lands, you're probably comboing out. City of Traders is the land for you. Yep. So I, I just think it's a really good, really good hit. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Uh, I also have uh, a middle school card as well, but it flows into uh, Legacy and uh, EDH, and it's Alluren. 
So this card saw uh, several bumps over the last couple of years. The most recent one where it skyrocketed to over $50 was because it won a GP, I believe, or if not, a top 80 to GP. Yeah. But uh, Aluren is not a one-card combo, but it is the engine card for uh, a set of very specific combos. And like I said, it has legacy results behind it. it there are dedicated players for Aluren on the, awkwardly enough, west coast of the United States and and Japan. So if you keep yeah. your eyes peeled to Hararuya, you'll see a lot of results out there. Yeah. Uh, like I said, EDH. And then this was a feared extended deck for two seasons, so two full years, where yeah. it put up uh, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back top eights with a handful of wins. Yeah. And right now looks to be one of the easiest and most premier combo cards Available, available in format, format that isn't Dream Halls. Yeah. Uh, or, or Pattern Rebirth, Rebirth, but I don't know what you get with that. Same, Same problem. problem. We were, we're talking, talking about, about both of Druids. It's like, yeah. you can't, can't combo off like that. You can't Rune Demon into Time Walk into Rune Scar Demon into Guy. Like, you can't do that. So is the next best bet. It's also reserved list. Yes. Which was interesting to me because it popped after the GP results and in the middle of the reserve list boom. Mm-hmm. And then it settled back down to where it was. Yes. yes. Uh, the, the graph, graph that, that I brought, brought up earlier, if you go back and take a look at it, you can see exactly that. that. I think it, it, it settles like 2 or $3, dollars, so we're talking about you know, a 10% price, price increase on the floor in about a six-month six uh, span of time. time. Yeah. And, and you can, can see perfectly uh, that, that this, this is a results-driven card in regards to legacy. Yeah. But if it picks up another construct format to float it, then we're going to see this card... Easily, easily move past $30. In, in conjunction with City of Traders, which, which replaces the Hickory Woodlots and the Sipphysis from Masks, that also produces two green mana, but ETB tapped. Yeah. So, I think, I think, I think this card is a, is a safe uh, six-month hold because we need middle school and pre-modern to kind of mature a little bit and see play somewhere large. So, well, like Thursday said, at the Eternal Central weekend, or, or if for whatever, whatever reason CFB decides to start putting up side events for this, like they did with Old School and uh, Tiny Leaders, and eventually yeah. a Popper MCQ happened. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Championship yeah. Popper. Which was pretty sweet, yep. Yep. I heard. Channel is very amenable to alternative format side events, as long as there are enough people that ask for them. Channel will enable this. So, yeah. There's always hope. Uh, I know there was someone in one of the pre-modern discords that was trying to get a side event going at uh, Tampa. And I guess that's going to be next weekend. So we'll see yep, if yep. that happens. He, There were about 10 people in the discord that were going to be at Tampa that wanted to play some pre-modern. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I, would I would not be surprised, surprised at SCGCon if they float this. Yeah. Um, Gen, Gen Con isn't is the... Kind of place to float this anymore now that they moved legacy and vintage champs away. And yeah. I don't think they they did anything with the ninety three ninety four format, but that could have been because the beta draft overshadowed everything. Yeah, the beta draft was sweet. And the ninety three ninety four guys that would go to Gen Con generally do that kind of stuff off premises at local bars. Yeah. So we'll we'll see about that. Nothing at Gamma, obviously. Nothing at Origins because it's not really. 
the spot for that either. Yeah. yeah. But. So, yep. That uh, wraps it up for this week. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Next week, we'll be covering the WPN announcement and what it means. Uh, just dropped today, so we'll get a little bit of time to digest that. And as always, you can find me at Thirsty Sizzler. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You can find us at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and our Patreon, where we are still accepting patrons for our UMA box giveaway. Yes, so please sign up. It's as simple as $1. Yeah. And once we hit 100 someone gets a box of Uma. Yeah. Uh, also, anything you see from us that pops up on Twitter in regards to MTG Finance, unless it's literally the weekend of an event, uh, has been given to our patrons several days to uh, weeks in advance. So, you know, yet another reason if you want to get ahead of this curve. Yep, get in there. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Yep. Appreciate it.